Alright, welcome back friends to the second installment of Professor Pastor Paul's Midweek Bible Festival. This week we have a familiar story um, and um, we're going to get to that in just a minute. But before I get into it, let me say that uh, this, this week, the fifth Sunday of Lent, uh, the theme is uh, life from death. And uh, I've got the story of Lazarus here, the rising of Lazarus, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And that's going to be our uh, scripture for uh, this lesson. On Sunday, David will take the, um, the uh, New Testament, I'm sorry, the Old Testament story of Ezekiel's Valley of Dry Bones, another life from death story. But tonight we have John 11, 1 through 44, which is the raising of Lazarus. And how we're going to do this, this lesson tonight, is I'm going to uh, simply read through the story. It's quite long, 44 verses, and uh, occasionally I'll pause and add some commentary and maybe give you some questions to think about as we go. So we're going to start with John 11, 1 and read through verse 44. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent a message to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love is ill. He whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. So we have Mary and we have Martha. We have Mary's brother, Lazarus. Now, Mary and Martha, those names are familiar. There's another story that involves uh, women named Mary and Martha back in uh, Luke 11, 10, something. I don't know quite where, but back in Luke somewhere, there's a, a famous story of, of Martha and Mary and how they respond differently to Jesus when Jesus comes uh, to visit. This may be the same Martha and Mary. I find it kind of uh, improbable that there are two Martha and Mary pairs uh, in Jesus' uh, you know, orbit, but there may be. Maybe there were common names. Maybe, maybe this is the same. Uh, I suspect this is actually the same uh, set of women. But they were clearly very dear to Jesus, as was Mary's brother, Lazarus. And so... Um, Lazarus is ill. And when Jesus hears about it, he says, uh, he, this is funny, he says, uh, this illness does not lead to death. But in fact, we all know that it, it did lead to death. And in fact, it did lead to death. But it led to something uh, beyond death as well. And something I wanted to say about this that I really enjoy in this whole story is how deeply connected Jesus is to the Father, to God, in this story, because he gets this message. Your, one of your dearest friends is ill. Please come. And he waits for two days. 
Uh, I myself uh, have struggle somewhat with what we call codependence, which is, for example, in my family, I have a family, as you probably know, when there's a disagreement between two members of my family, I always feel like I need to get in the middle of it and make everybody happy. I feel like if, if other people are upset, then I can't be okay. I need everybody else to be okay for me to be okay. But Jesus clearly it, it does not have this particular foible, this particular problem, because Jesus knows that his dear friends, Mary and Martha, need him, but he waits two days, and he has a reason for it. There's a reason he waits two days. He is, as he's connected enough to God to know how to act without fear of other people's other people getting upset. So, you know, Jesus, not real codependent. <laughs> and I appreciate that. Two days wait on his own schedule. <clears throat> then after waiting two days, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea. Now, Judea is where Bethany is. He wants to go to Judea again, he says. After he said this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now trying to stone you, and you're going there again? It's true. Jesus had just been in Jerusalem, which is very close to Bethany, and both of those are in the, in the area called Judea. Um, and he had gotten the religious leaders a little riled up. Uh, they were debating on whether he was the Messiah or not, and Jesus had a way of saying it without really directly saying it. They wanted him to come out and just say it. And Jesus wouldn't really do it that way. And they got angry at him and they had tried to stone him. But somehow Jesus, as he is wont to do, uh, slipped away and got away from them. So the point is, is that re-entering Judea, where Bethany was near Jerusalem, was a dangerous idea. And Jesus, Jesus knew it. Okay. Oh, he just escaped from the hands of the leaders and they were pretty mad at him. He was going to go back into the hornet's nest, so to speak. And so the uh, disciples were like, are you sure you want to do this, Jesus? He said this. He answered. This was Jesus' answer to, are you sure you want to go there again? To that, Jesus responds, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. And this is one of those very oblique sort of responses that Jesus gives. I'm sure left the disciples scratching their heads. The disciples who, as we'll see in just a minute, can't get even the simplest figurative language. I'm sure they were left wondering what Jesus was talking about with all this light and darkness business. I'll read it again. Jesus responded to their concerns about going back to Judea. Are there not 12 hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble because the light is not in them. So there's our theme of light and darkness, which keeps showing up all through John. But another theme shows up in Jesus', uh, in, in Jesus words in John, and that is this idea of Jesus' hour coming. Earlier on in 7.30, Jesus was speaking and said, my hour has not yet come. He was always talking about his hour having not yet come. When his mother Mary wanted him to turn the water into wine in Cana, he said, my time has not come. 
So here Jesus is saying, are there not 12 hours of daylight? I think what Jesus was getting at was that my, my time is not yet here. I am still with you. And so I have more to do before the end. It was still daylight is what Jesus was saying. And he still had to act. He could not run. He could not live in fear. <clears throat> After this, Jesus told them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. Jesus, however, had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. So Jesus tells the disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. Jesus, the master, the absolute master of figurative language, is at it, is at it again. But then they don't get it. They can't even get that simple bit of figurative language. So he spells it out for them. He says, he says Lazarus is dead. He comes out and just says it to his disciples, probably with a little eye roll. And at the end, before they leave, Thomas says, let us go that we may die with him. That's an interesting little choice of words there for Thomas. As they leave to go back to Bethany, where Lazarus is ill and possibly dead, well, Jesus just told them he was dead. Lazarus is dead. And uh, Thomas says, let us go that we may die with him. Now, uh, that's a little bit of uh, ambiguity there. Whose death are we talking about? And why would Thomas say they were going to go die? So the ambiguity is intentional. Uh, when Thomas says, let's go die with him, is he talking about Lazarus or is he maybe talking about Jesus? It might help us to, to see what's going on here if we zoom out a bit. Looking back, the previous chapter, Jesus was arguing with the Pharisees as he often did. And Jesus said to them in the previous chapter, in, verse, in chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus said to the Pharisees, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And now Jesus is going back to Bethany, risking his life to save his friend from death. He is doing exactly that. He is going back to save his friend, to save his sheep. And on two levels, number one, he just escaped stoning. And so everybody's still angry with him. But on a deeper level, Jesus knows that what he's about to do by raising Lazarus from the dead is going to be the thing that drives everybody against him. He understands that by saving Lazarus, he himself will die. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And looking ahead, we see just that, that the result of Jesus' life-giving move is, in fact, his own death. If we look a little bit ahead in this chapter, after, after Lazarus is raised from the dead, and you know that all of you who are watching know that Lazarus is in fact raised from the dead, that creates such a stir in the community, 
such a stir in Jerusalem and in greater Judea that it says this in verse 53, from that day on, the chief priests, the Pharisees, planned to put Jesus to death. This was, in fact, the move that turned the powers that be against Jesus. Therefore, this story ratchets up the tension and prepares us for the passion, which is exactly why this text shows up in the lectionary during the Lent. So Jesus is on his way back into the hornet's nest, back into Bethany. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. What this means is that Lazarus had died the same day the messenger left to report the news to Jesus. Bethany uh, left Bethany for the wilderness where Jesus was. Lazarus would have been dead at Jesus' arrival, even if he had not taken two days to, to, to leave. And the burial took, took, took place on the day of the death. And it was believed by the ancient Israelites that the soul lingered near the body for three days post-death. So by the fourth day, Jesus, when Jesus arrived, Lazarus' death was final. So when Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany, I'll read this again, was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Martha said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. So Martha goes and meets Jesus. And it was unusual for anyone, especially a woman, to leave the house alone during a time of mourning, except to visit the tomb. So Martha is clearly beyond worrying about niceties and social conventions. She lost her brother-in-law and runs to Jesus, and she actually scolds him a little bit, even though it was almost certainly not possible for Jesus to have been there before Lazarus died. She scolds him. She says, what does she say to him? Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. It's the first words out of her mouth. Her first response is to scold Jesus for being late. Not, not welcome, good to see you, Jesus, but if you had been here earlier, my man, then Lazarus would not have died. And then Jesus, Jesus goes on to talk about this life and death business and asks, asks Martha, do you believe these things, that I am the resurrection and the life, that those who believe in me, even though they die, will live? And Martha responds not with belief in Jesus' statements or its logic, but she responds in belief in Jesus himself and says, you are the Son of God. When she had said this, she went back to her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when Mary heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. So Mary, too, is leaving the house. Now, Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. 
The Jews who were with Mary in the house, consoling her, saw that she got up quickly and went out, and they followed her because they thought she was going to the tomb to weep there. They followed her because uh, when Mary came to where Jesus was, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Same thing that Martha said. Both women, their first response when they see Jesus is to say, where were you? Where have you been? Why weren't you here earlier? Mary is also angry at Jesus' delay and scolds him for staying back. My brother would not have died, she said, had you been here on time. How many of us have wished God would just fix this mess already? Whatever mess that might be. This virus, this quarantine, this social distancing, the suffering and death as a result of the virus. But we're all in fixes all the time, and we always wish that God would show up on our time schedule and not on any other. Guilty right here. How many of us had wished God had done things according to our timetable? And Mary was weeping as she said this. Where were you, Jesus? Why didn't you get here earlier? When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could he who opened the eyes of the blind man not have kept this man from dying? Jesus wept. One of the more profound statements in the whole Bible. Now, why did Jesus weep? Why did Jesus stand there and weep? He knew he would raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew what was going to happen, presumably. Right? He was talking about it to his disciples earlier. He knew what was going to happen. There's all kinds of ideas. I'll give you four really short ones. Number one, he loved his friends Lazarus and Mary and Martha, and she hated to see them in pain. Nobody ever wants to see their loved ones in pain, their children their parents, their brothers and sisters, their friends. Nobody wants to see their friends in pain. Number two, maybe, he was sad about the, the general tyranny of death over humankind and the way it paralyzes all, paralyzes all of us and frightens all of us. Third option, Jesus, being fully divine, was upset because even those who were closest to him were blinded by their misconceptions and failed to recognize who he was, who Jesus was. As he, as he had just declared in verse 26, he is the resurrection and the life, but it seems that nobody is listening. Number four. Jesus, being fully human, was terrified of his own fast-approaching death. And he wept Garden of Gethsemane style for his imminent taste of the ultimate universal human experience. When my dad died a few years ago, I felt grief, real grief for the first time in my life. And I really sat down and I felt it and I explored what it meant and I wrote it out in a journal and I really went through it and I came to a conclusion, which is that one of the things I grieve when my dad dies is my own death. They're not, they're, the, they're part and parcel of the same situation. We're all in the same frame. We all are mortal. We all die. 
And when Jesus, this close to his own approaching death, sees death all around him, maybe he's mourning his own imminent death. If Jesus was fully human, why wouldn't he feel that way? This is a very Lenten interpretation. Then Jesus, greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is such a stench, because he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? If you believe, you will see. You've heard the old cliche, seeing is believing. Jesus here turns that around. Jesus here tells us, if you believe, you will see the glory of God. Believing sometimes has to come first. And then, only then, you can see. Some, some things, some places, have to be believed to be seen. So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face wrapped in a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. May we all of us be unbound also, even as we follow Jesus toward Jerusalem, death, and resurrection. See you next week, friends. Amen.